Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, awkwardly bending over to the microphone, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Hello, pal. Hi. How How is your gas tank going this afternoon? My posture was fine during the show. To be clear, this is not my normal posture. We're just getting used to some new things here in the podcast studio, but it is the time to be in the new podcast studio and with the video in front of us because it is a very, very extremely busy time. We have a lot to get to, and we're not going to be able to get to all of it due to due to time time constraints. But I will say that you and I are going to once again be doing a two hour radio show. It's just going to be us. Maybe we'll have a guest or two. But on Monday, from three to five, uh, ArizonaSports.com, Arizona Sports app to listen to that, of course. But guess what? If you're not there, it'll just be uploaded like a normal podcast anyway. And Kevin, we are going to have a whole lot to talk about because on Friday at three o'clock local time, free agency gets underway. So there's going to be a lot to get to there. Let's start with where we are at at the moment, which is we are a couple hours removed from Bradley Beal's introductory press conference. Just a couple tidbits from that. What would you think? I honestly didn't learn anything. I didn't think I knew about Bradley Beal. There were some interesting moments around all this drama. So like an hour before, two hours before, I don't know. Today's been a crazy one. Chris Haynes put out there, the Suns expect to meet with Kyrie Irving, or Kyrie Irving expects to meet with the Suns. However you want to phrase it, however he phrased it. I don't know how deep you want to get into this, man, but seems like posturing seems like not very possible at all when you look at the numbers, when you look at the basketball reasons, when you look at how it might happen, unless he takes the vet minimum, which he shouldn't, and even Kyrie Irving, I think, probably wouldn't. There's the James Jones spoke for the first time since Chris Paul was traded for Bradley Beal, and Chris Paul kind of accused the Suns of having a weird leadership structure involving Isaiah Thomas and not so much involving James Jones. And James actually, like, his answers to questions to that actually I thought were the most insightful about how his role has expanded and how much the new ownership has empowered him to go act very, very, very differently than the prior ownership. So that was my main takeaway. Bradley Beal's gonna, like, we're gonna talk about how he fits with Book and KD a lot from here until, you know, maybe the next two, three years. So I, I, I'll save that for another day, I guess. Yeah, we'll have many more days to discuss that in the offseason for sure. That is currently still getting underway. Uh, a lot of DeAndre Ayton mention, a lot of campaign mention. I think <clears throat> something that Vogel spoke on specifically that we should bring up is that Beal Booker, he feels very comfortable with that being his starting backcourt. But with that being said, that fifth starter spot, they could look at another point guard. He mentioned campaign specifically. Dwayne Rankin just reported seven minutes ago that that has become a fully guaranteed contract. We were expecting that with him and Ish after Windhorse is reporting the day after the Beal trade that they are just going to crush through the luxury tax. So, like, this would have been an instance of, hey, this is going to save you 10 to $15 million on the luxury tax bill coming up if you just don't have campaign on this $6.5 million. Matt Ishbia, do not care. He don't care. Looking at the team as a whole, um, DeAndre was mentioned quite a bit, like we said, just worth mentioning. I can't honestly remember. I think our last podcast was when Tumani Kamara got drafted. Yeah. Since then... 
It has been reported by John Camador. I don't even know if we can, like, I guess we're going to mention Haynes reporting now, but his reporting has been so all over the place with the Suns in the last month and a half that I'll lean on Gambo more so than Chris Haynes. And Gambo just saying that he feels that it is very unlikely that DeAndre Ayton gets traded. Now, interpret that how you will. He has gone on into later shows. They're speaking on their show basically like he is going to be back next year. Uh, We'll see. I've been reiterating on the shows all week this week and then the last week that I will start to believe it more in the third or fourth week of July once we get through free agency because a a lot is happening and a lot is going to happen just this weekend alone, but even more so in the next couple of weeks, I think. What what would you give my score so far for the bleep is going to hit the fan off season of all off seasons that I predicted two weeks ago? We're at like an eight eight point five right now already with today's developments. Yeah, and James Harden, that thing is gonna opt into his deal in order to get traded. In order to get traded, his Clipper, third trade Clippers are now kind of four years attached years? to that. Yeah, um, Da was mentioned in trade rumors. Mark Stein said he. The Mavs had interest in him, and that kind of fell apart on draft night. We haven't podcasted since that little tidbit came Hardaway, out. Hardaway, Holmes, McGee, even for me, the person who's willing to take a pretty low price on DA, I feel like that is still too low. I think you need at least two guys back you're sure are going to be in rotation, and I think you need one of them to be, yes, this guy can absolutely be on the floor at the end of playoff games. Yeah. Not quite there on Hardaway, even though I really like him, and longtime listeners know that. And obviously not there on Rashawn because he only played three. He had played under 350 minutes for the Kings last year, who were a really good basketball team. Anytime you're thought of as a productive, good player, and then your playing time fades away immensely on a team that played Alex Len in the playoffs at your position. Mm-hmm. No shots to Alex Len. He played well in the postseason. He's going to be around in the NBA for a little bit longer now, for sure, at least. But I didn't, I didn't see it in terms of uh, the return there. But to what you're talking about. Uh, there was the Kyrie Irving report this morning from Chris Haynes, which I believe to be strictly leverage. Uh, Dan Bickley, I believe, wrote in his column on ArizonaSports.com from a, what did he say, a prominent source? Something like that. Prominent source. There's just no truth to it, basically. Just nonsense. Uh, by the way, Kyrie Irving could only sign for the veterans minimum here in free agency as an unrestricted free agent. Now he could be signed and traded, but according to John Hollinger of The Athletic, Kyrie Irving would need to take a massive pay cut. He would need to have a salary of $21 million or less, and the Mavericks would still need to renounce, I believe, Dwight Powell and Christian Wood or find a third team to take them on. So there are a lot of hula hoops to go through before he even gets here, but I really trust Bickley's reporting there, and it makes zero sense on the basketball court. So does Harden because, yes, getting something for DeAndre Ayton, it makes sense, but at a certain point, I actually have to become the there's just one ball guy. And there's just one ball. Like the, the yeah. <laughs> most, but we just saw this with Chris Paul. You get the most value out of Chris Paul with having him on the ball. If James Harden's going to be off the ball for 60% of the time he's out there, or Kyrie Irving, you're just not maximizing what you're getting out of them. Now, if there's three of them, I think it's a little bit more feasible, which is what we're talking about. But again, Beal, Booker, Durant, all incredible off ball players as well. Harden and Irving, not, not so much. So I, I, I think it's nonsense. Yeah, it's redundancy at some point, right? Like mm-hmm. you can't have five of these guys and. It doesn't even matter if the offense does work. Then you have four guys who, at best, books you you think he can be all defense fine. Um, KD can be average to maybe above average. He's smart. Beal can try and probably knows how to play defense. Kyrie is what Kyrie is. He's a small guy. At some point, you're going super, super against what Frank Vogel wants, and that's a very physical, high-level defensive team. And if four of your guys are going to be playing super heavy minutes – 
like even if they each play 30 minutes like do the math there's not a lot of room for defensive guys to be on this team so yeah it just makes no sense to me and even if somehow he's signed vet minimum and you keep DA in that scenario it still doesn't make sense to me we didn't even get into the off-court stuff but we won't even go there no, we don't need to. Like that's the thing. It's like you can strictly stay on the court before getting to the off the court, and it's kind of similar to the DA conversations in a way, uh, but in a totally different way at the same time. With that in mind, uh, the Beal presser just to not skip by it. Um, we've just heard so much about him as as a person in Washington, and just he seems like a good dude. Uh, he gave a lot of really insightful answers in terms of playing with a big three like this, and I think something important that he addressed was the mental challenge that it's going to take, and just understanding what mentally it is going to take from them. And everything that I had heard made me feel confident in asking him on Wolf and Luke when he came on our show was about, like, you guys don't care if you take single-digit shots. You just care about the scoreboard and including him because we know books like that. We know KD's like that. We don't know Beal like that personally yet. But I just had an inkling and and understood from Washington that it was that way. And that's how it was. And I think that he, he said it. Like, you just don't get... And this was him not taking shots at anyone, obviously, but he was saying you just don't get three unselfish stars to play with each other. Like, it just doesn't happen in the league, really. Like, I think the only real example to me that comes to mind in terms of recent super teams would be Miami with the big three there because, like, that that was – when that sort of happened, it was like, oh, like, Dwayne Wade is okay with this becoming – because anywhere LeBron goes, it becomes his franchise, and, like, Dwayne Wade is Mr. Miami Heat, without a doubt. And he was okay with that. LeBron's unselfishness is well-documented. And then Bosch as well went from being Mr. Toronto Raptor to being okay with being like the third banana. And that's kind of similar-ish here. I'm not saying like talent level-wise, stop, relax. But I'm just saying the unselfishness is that's the only near-side comparison that comes together. But actually, um, I shouldn't look past Golden State either, right? Like the sacrifices that Steph and KD made specifically. Like there's yeah. there's instances where it has happened but it's so incredibly rare because like Brooklyn, for example, like those guys need to get the shots up. These guys, it's more so that those guys don't need to get the shots up in order to be when you have three, right. When you have winning players, right? Yeah. And I, I took when he used the word challenge, like maybe he meant mental challenge, but at least one instance, I, how he said it was more of like, I know it's not going to be like, feel like a glove. You have three guys who are unselfish, like, from a basketball sense, it, it's tough to like figure each other out, right? Learn each other, know when, hey, I'm going to defer, know when, hey, I'm going to take over. And you're coming into a new scenario where the two guys have been here and KD hasn't even been here that long. So I think he showed a little evidence that he's very aware that like is not going to be smooth, like even just between those three guys, even if the role players all work out, it's going to take some time. And I think his openness about that was kind of, you know, good to hear that, that he's aware that this isn't just like, oh, you just slide in and you win. And yeah, teams are going to go at you, but you three will figure it out. No, he kind of hinted like, it'll be a challenge for us to figure it out. And I, I thought that was kind of cool. Free agency? You want to do this in 15 minutes somehow? Yeah. Let's do it. The Suns can use the veterans minimum to sign these guys. That's it, everyone. It's not very complicated. They got to get the veterans minimum. Uh, something we've talked about a lot over the last couple of weeks on shows, and I think a little bit here, but just to reemphasize the point again, guys on the veterans minimum are going to want to come here because 
They're playing with three unselfish superstars to the conversation we just had. It is a franchise that has become one of the premier destinations now in the last couple of years, or at least a premier franchise. And I say destination because brand new spanking practice facility that is a ten five to ten minute drive from where everyone lives in that part of Scottsdale. And you get to come here where in a weather climate that everyone wants to live in. Now Bradley Beal's gonna have to suffer for a couple of months to get to the good stuff, but he's gonna get to the good stuff eventually develop his golf game in the meantime and things like that. But guys are going to want to come here, but the problem and the, not the problem necessarily, but the big unknown is like, okay, Dennis Schroeder, for example, is a guy that makes a ton of sense because he has history with Vogel and he's kind of exactly what they need in terms of another guy who gets rim pressure and another guy who can defend on the perimeter. But is he going to take, you're not offering him a starting spot necessarily Vogel. Again, that answer from Vogel was important and something we've talked about now for weeks, ever since the trade. But with Vogel, uh, or sorry, not with Vogel, but with Schroeder, okay, is he going to be okay with $4 million, $5 million, the biannual, the tax pyramid level exception from someone, or taking two and a half, three from the Suns? Like, that is nearly twice as much money, if not twice. And, and that's before going into, like, the MLE possibilities where guys could be getting seven, eight, nine million million a year. That is what we are going to be watching for in nearly exactly 24 hours and nine minutes from now. Yeah, guys like him, I guess if you go into bigs, Mason Plumley, um, who are the wings, like there there are a lot of guys who are on this border and the good thing is like with older players they get larger vet minimums, so the money probably isn't as different for a Jeff Green as it is a younger player. Um and also Jeff Green's knows he's made all this cash in large chunks before this, so for the older guys it doesn't matter. It's a matter of okay. Do you are you really looking for 20 25 minute per game guys or guys who at least are capable of playing that many minutes or are you just going to say hey Kevin Love you might play 15 minutes against certain types of teams and you're going to be a defensive liability but we want you on our roster and you're a good leader and all that and you've won a title and all that like that's that's kind of the difference where there are some young guys like the Lakers and we can get into this is even a different area of discussion. Like the Lakers, we'll get there in a bit. Yeah, waving like Mo Bamba, Malik Beasley. Those are younger guys. Like, do the Suns go after those younger bodies to really just help and maybe try to develop them into good role players alongside three stars? So there's just different avenues, and it depends on their age, makes it more complex, I guess. So Luke Lipinski and I did this exercise where I think rightfully so, even my mindset a bit after the Beal trade was like, man, you're just going to have to get like five or six guys on the veterans minimum. But then when you take into consideration who is going to be returning for this team, you actually realize it's really only two or three guys. So here's the rundown right now. Here's the depth chart right now. I've got Devin Booker slotted in a point guard. I've got a question mark behind him as like the third guard, quote unquote, and then I've got campaign behind him. I'm just putting campaign there because he's had a rough two seasons and I don't know if you can put him in a position where you have to rely on him. Then again, it's a new head coach and all that kind of stuff. His and contract was is, guaranteed apparently just now because they would have had to cut him. So It was, yeah. So he is now in, uh, we mentioned earlier, um, he is he was also a top three backup point guard in the league two years ago. So I want to mention both sides there before we move forward. At shooting guard, I've got Beal there and then I've got uh, Jordan Goodwin in that spot, but he's more of just like a wing. And I've got Damian Lee down here who Mark Stein reported a day or two ago is one of the surest returning Suns free agents. Now Damian Lee... No bird rights there, so he would just have to take the minimum. The only reason why I did not put him at like an 8 or a 9 or a 10 out of 10 when we did this exercise in terms of likelihood to return on the site on ArizonaSports.com was 
is someone else going to give him more money and a better role? Because he's pretty much a third unit guy here, but could also close games. Like, if they're not really finding anything from the defenders, and you just want to put the third best three-point shooter in the league last year on the floor, that's a pretty good idea to me. I thought he proved a ton in the playoffs that he already did in the regular season, to be clear, but doing it in the playoffs again. There was a Clippers game in L.A. It was either game three or four where he had a three or two, but he was everywhere in the game, it felt like. And then in game two in Denver, 0 for 5 from three, but he was a positive because he had like four offensive rebounds. He was everywhere in that game. I really like how he played. At small forward, I've got a question mark. I've got Torrey Craig. Bird rights there. It just seems like everything makes sense for the Suns to overpay him to, one, get him back, but two, to make him a trade ship or a trade asset going forward. So if you find a team that's on a $9 million long-term salary, they don't want it anymore, or you can attach a swap to him to make it valuable. They're running out of things to attach to guys like him on the trade market, of course, but he's there. I'm not going to pencil him in as a starter yet, but we'll, we'll leave that spot open for now. And then I've got another question mark behind him as far as one more wing. Could that be Josh Akogi somewhere down there? I just think he's going to get money from someone. I think that he's earned a, a nice payday, whether that's three years, $20 million, three years, $12 million. It's It's something I think he's earned like a multi-year yeah. guaranteed deal that makes him at least five, $6 million. At the four spot, I've got Kevin Durant. I've got Tumani Kamara with an asterisk because technically he could become a two-way, I believe. They still haven't officially signed him from what I've been trying to figure out at least. And then Ish Wainwright, they exercise his team option. He's back as well, so we've got him there. We got DeAndre Ayton at center. It's written in there. It wasn't in our other exercises. It is now. Jock Lando we have behind him. Just, again, a bird rights guy. He's restricted as well, which helps the Suns. And then I got a question mark behind him. So all of that nonsense that I just blurted out for three minutes there, Kevin, was to get to the point of those four question marks that I have on my board right now. And, again, there's two two-way spots left. Kamara could easily take one. Saban Lee, who is a two-way restricted free agent, which I learned existed when I when we got that news. Yeah. We'll see in terms of what the other spots are, but for now we've got four question marks. We've basically got fifth guy or guy slash starter. Fifth starter slash can be on the floor at the end of playoff games, like I said. Yeah. Wing, guard, not sure. Another ball handler another big and then maybe like another wing but those first two are the two where it's like okay can you get Dennis Schroeder and like Josh Richardson like is that is that possible I know that doesn't light the world on fire by any means but that's the kind of place we're in we we should say that two names have been reported uh it, it was Stein right Yuta Watanabe and Mike James Mike James as in former Suns great point guard Mike James who- Mike James as in like he should be known for right now as a KD's dominant bud. player well okay don't be rude <laughs> dominant player in Europe. Yeah. Like dominating in Europe. AS Monaco, they're lighting it up. Him and Ellie, our old friend Ellie Okobo over there, teammates making it happen. What do you think? Uh, to tee it up for you, as I did for five straight minutes, so apparently <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it. We previewed all the groups, looked for fits that we thought weren't being too unreasonable. Anyone jump out after that ramble and the spots I got to fill? Yuda just, I mean, that's... They need shooters at this point, I think, because um, like you can imagine getting either a Kogi or Tori back. Lee getting—he's a shooter, and maybe he's redundant with Yuta Watanabe, but I, I think that. But also, they just need ball handling, and that's the biggest thing. Like, can Goodwin run a little point? Like, he's a pretty good assist guy. I don't know how much he initiated offense. Um, 
but they definitely need someone to join campaign in that because even if you just say campaigns hurt, like that's that's a lot for Beal and Book to handle. You'd like one more backup point, a true point. I don't even care if it's like the fifth starter or if it's your backup or whatever. You just need another body there, I think. So shooting and a body there. Set, the center market, I went through that exercise today, and it actually is not bad Not bad. the end of the bench. Like Situational centers, yeah. And it also gives you more options. So like there are the small ball guys like Jeff Green, Jermichael Green, who are going to floor space and really give you something different than DA, which I think, I honestly think that's a good idea. Um, you get one of those guys, and maybe you get a, a pure shot blocker like Bismack or something, um, and then you have a lot of options and versatility and i think that's the key in building this so i think bigs they're going to be fine they're going to have a good option there behind da um whether that's jock biz lots of free agents Plumley, zeller every other brother i think robin lopez actually is a free agent wing is again just where it's complicated and where i don't the options aren't most valuable spot in the league outside of superstars right like and that's why kamara is like oh well that's why that's why you resign ish yeah with the 52nd pick and bringing back ish yeah because again josh richardson not a very appealing name but he's one of the better available wing free agents that could conceivably take the minimum now something to keep an eye on i believe how this is going to play out i would be um if anyone signs for the veterans minimum with the suns uh within 30 minutes who is not like a returning member and is a newbie, they should fire their agent immediately because those guys need to be waiting and seeing if other guys are going to be paid. Now, with that being said, I'm kind of joking. If you think Phoenix is a spot for you, you're completely won over. I believe in that wholeheartedly and like following your thought process there, sure. But I think the way this is going to go is we're going to see some returning names come in pretty soon on Friday, and then it's going to be a matter of what teams use their exceptions and what guys are left over after those exceptions have been used. For example, ESPN's Dave McMenamin. Again, we're in everything's happening in live time right now. With the moves that you just mentioned, Bamba and Beasley, the Lakers, as expected, by the way, will have their full mid-level, which is $12 million. McMenamin reporting that they could perhaps look at someone like Bruce Brown or Brooke Lopez. But if they want to split it up and go to multiple players like we've been talking about, so like 7-5, and 8-4, and four, they can d- divvy that up. He mentioned Dennis Schroeder and Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon had a $23 million non-guaranteed contract for next year that would have cost the Clippers an additional $110 million on their luxury tax bill in case you don't want to know what's coming for our pal Ishbia in a couple of years, perhaps. They could go after those guys. So that's an example right there where, sure, Schroeder on the minimum, he's played with Vogel, great, but he could just go back to the Lakers, make three times as much money, and start for them. <laughs> like yeah. It's just, it's it's very difficult to go through, and something that I did as an exercise, Kevin, that I just, I didn't have time to get to in, in the text form, was looking at other teams in these spots. So rotation guards, for example, I mentioned the Lakers, they'll have their MLE and their BAE, again, that's $12 million at about four and a half. I looked at the Timberwolves, they've got Conley and Anthony Edwards, but behind that, that's it. I saw they were reportedly a team talking to the Wizards because they have like four point guards who are, who are identical and the same player, apparently. Um, the Nuggets are a team on the minimum. They've got Murray, KCP, and Braun, but they don't really have another ball handler behind. That's where Reggie Jackson kind of slotted in before. The Heat, I don't know if they're bringing back Vincent. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but then it's just like Lowry and Hero, and that's it. They've only got the minimum available, but again, it's competition. The Bucks are a really weird what-if because they've got Middleton and Lopez going. 
but they could lose Javon Carter, and if that's the case, it's really only Grayson Allen and Drew Holiday in their backcourt. So those are some names to keep an eye on. I've been mentioning Dennis Smith Jr. for weeks now. I think looking at this list, it's more and more likely he's going to get at least the BAE from someone, if more. But I, I'm going to keep mentioning him. I love him as a fit. The starting wing spot, man, this is where it gets tough, Kevin, because the Cavs have that opening. They have a Coro there technically, but they have their MLE and their BAE. The Mavs have Tim Hardaway Jr. and Reggie Bullock. They could have their MLE and their BAE as well. Ditto for the Grizzlies, who have Zaire Williams and 5,000 former first-round picks behind him that could play there as well. The Kings are a huge wild card to watch overall because they could renounce the rights to Harrison Barnes, have $33 million in cap space, and go after someone like Kuzma, someone like Middleton, and so on. So those are some of the teams in theory that could have those types of openings. So, again, how the next couple of days are going to go, I just recommend keeping an eye out for those teams specifically and where they use their money. Like I remember the year Jay Crowder got signed, we kept going, that's that's another name that made sense off the board. That's another, And it's like, who is left? And then we put out a list of like 10 to 15 guys, and two hours later, Jay Crowder got signed. Mm-hmm. That's how this is going to go, but with veterans minimum guys, which is going to be a lot more difficult, but they don't have... I think the margin for error is a lot bigger than people think. Yeah. Um, I think they'll be in good spot. I think we'll look at it and say, hey, they do have this versatile roster. Um, again, it is the wings. That's the concern. Guards, I think you would want to be a... Like, even if like you got an Ish Smith as your backup, and like, oh, okay. That's... That's a change of pace. That's something different. I think they can afford to do such things. Like, he's not a great example, maybe, because he doesn't fit the Vogel idea of playing great defense and all that. But that's just one of those where I think this roster really needs diversity in every position and every group. Because if you have diversity, that gives Vogel a lot of different options when playoffs hit. Matchup matching happens or matchup getting ahead of the other team happens and that's kind of where this all kind of went wrong the past few years scoring shooting on ball defense i think those are the three things and scoring like i think that just ties into capable of making creating offense on the ball more so whether that's as a playmaker as a scorer that's one box two is shooting three is on ball defense they'll fill it with some of the guys coming back and they'll fill it with some of the guys that they're going to sign to but i I i think they will fill all three of those it's just a matter of how they do it and again It'll be like last year where if you can combine Terrence Ross and Josh Kogi into a player, it would be Mikel Bridges on steroids. They're just not going to get a player like that. It's going to be more of guys who are three, guys who are D, and not really a three and D type together. One more thing before we go. there are It's crazy how many teams are getting linked to free agents, and it just feels like so many teams are going to be trying to do stuff. I just want to mention that again with the DeAndre thing before we go, because Houston, for example, is getting linked to Fred Van Vliet. Not Harden anymore because he opted in. But they're getting licked to like Brooke Lopez, Dylan Brooks. They've got sixty-four million in cap space, and and Marks put this up. They need to spend fifty, so they need to spend money somewhere. So if they try to spend this money, and everyone's like, "No, I'm good," why wouldn't they look at DeAndre potentially? Like I, I'm just saying, there are teams that we weren't really thinking of necessarily. Like, why would he go there? Why would they look there? There are options. Like we mentioned, San Antonio in the past. We'll see how their offseason turns out. Like there are going to be options for his trade market that do open up in the next three weeks reminder believe that reminder his veto power ends in a few weeks too July 15th is the date we believe i guess that's yeah it's two weeks basically yeah so that that's played a huge part in maybe why they couldn't move him and 
at this point, maybe he's just waiting to kind of control his own destiny too, just like other these other guys on max deals do. I mean, yeah. that's that's completely fair. That's how this works. And yeah, today they all made sure went out of their way to mention him. Brad Beal went out of his way to mention him, but I'm not convinced anything's set in stone here yet. No, me neither. Um, and and we'll have to just wait and see exactly. And again, like I'll change my tone in a month, but I'm, yeah. I'm not there yet. I was my percentages went down after the draft. They'll go down in a two weeks time, and they'll go down again in a month's time. But we'll just have to wait and see until then. Again, for those of you looking for what we provide pretty much every time big news happens is an instantaneous podcast i would anticipate kevin unless they feel like every roster spot this weekend that our first pod back will just be that show on monday probably i mean if they get like dylan brooks on the minimum i think we have to come on (laughs) but like that's not going to happen or like they sign patrick beverly or whatever i'm trying to think of what notable name on the minimum they could sign that would force us to come on not force us but just have us come on right away so we'll probably be back on monday and then probably check in later that week because things are just going to keep happening that's over the holiday weekend, and then we're back on regular business on Wednesday. Um, but we'll have plenty coming on the site. We had a bunch of free agency preview stuff up there. I'll have a Bradley Beal story coming from his presser later today. He's got some kids who are some ball players and not basketball, but baseball players. His four-year-old apparently is what he referred to as Baby Ken Griffey, and he said it is the sickest thing he's ever seen. Because I saw the kid in the front row. He just kept practicing his swing. It was just like he was working the hips the whole time, and I was like, going on here (laughs) so i asked about it and i got a really cool response he uh it is worried about the heat as anyone new here would be Uh, i'm worried about the heat i'm i'm worried about it if i don't go outside ever then i don't have to worry about it which might you guys might be the case zoo and all that stuff that you're doing i meant like today (laughs) i don't know if i'm gonna go outside today though so it's okay I'm going to go outside to get in my car, and that's like pretty much it. And when I get out of my car, I guess that'll be it. Uh, <laughs> we hope that you don't have to go outside. I don't know how to uh, try. I really, I just did a four-hour radio show. I'm trying my best. I went to a press conference. It's been, it's been a day, and it's going to keep going. We'll be back on Monday. Monday. Again, you can listen live on ArizonaSports.com or the Arizona Sports app, or it'll just be uploaded to your podcast services wherever you may get them. Bye. See ya.